Welcome to Advance Your Belly Dance, a weekly podcast all about the business of belly dance. I'm your host, Jana, and every week you'll get belly dance business tips you wish your dance teacher told you when you first started. From how to start your first email marketing list to what you actually need on your website and everything in between. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome to the Advance Your Belly Dance podcast. I'm your host, Jana, and this week I have another awesome guest, Katie Sahar. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing really well. How about you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks so much for agreeing to come talk to me. It's the first time meeting virtually. It's really nice. I've heard a lot of great things about you. So thank you so much for coming here. Thank you. I've listened to the podcast. I love it. Thank you. Desperately needed information in our little niche. Yes, for sure. And we're going to get into desperately needed information in a second. But why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself first to the people that don't know who you are? Sure. My name is Katie. I am a dancer in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but I don't really feel like that means anything right now in our pandemic (laughs) lifestyle. Um, I've been dancing for about 12 years and kind of started like everybody else did, you know, start going to all the big festivals and events and doing that whole scene and just kind of carving my way out as a plus-size belly dancer that is professional level in quality in dancing but doesn't have those gig opportunities the way other dancers necessarily get. Um, Not only because I'm plus-size, but here in Minnesota, we do not have a large Arab population. Um, There's just not a lot of gigs to go around, and so... I started becoming very active online, and that's where we are today. So, yeah. That is how I found you, actually. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes. So, we probably have very, very differing views of social media, which we're going to get more into. Um, But I do like talking to people that actually embrace social media because I am very... negative when it comes to that topic so I do always like to hear people that are like yeah but I'm going to use it for these positive things which we're going to exactly yeah Yeah. so I do appreciate that because it's not just me ranting and raving into the (laughs) void about how much I don't like social media so um tell me more of how you got started when you were belly dancing you saw that there was a lack of plus size belly dancers and the lack of gigs that you just mentioned and what exactly led you to start focusing on social media and using that as a platform was there a certain pivotal moment that yeah there was there was a little push um around 2016 I did a workshop with Azad Khan who's like my main mentor now Mm -hmm. and we were at some event or another and I wasn't on Instagram at that point and Mm -hmm. Um, either was he really like he was on it but not you know purposefully and he's like I gotta get more on Instagram I have to start posting more like he's like you have to too like you know the world is so big and there's like so many opportunities you have to put yourself out there because you don't know what's gonna happen and I'm like I wasn't really in that headspace yet I was I was very content just you know kind of teaching just some local classes and doing what I was Mm -hmm. doing locally and then I was like okay, well, if he's posting more on Instagram, I guess I'll go see what he's up to. And then I was like, "Mm, I'll try this out, right? I'll I'll just see what happens. And actually, it was the Belly Dance Bundle who Tiffany, like a mutual friend of ours, Mm -hmm. um, runs. And I was like, oh, I'll try this out. This seems kind of fun. And that's actually what really got me intentionally using Instagram in particular was the first, um, I think it was her second round of the 21 Days of Belly Dance Challenge. Mm -hmm. And after I figured out how easy it was to post and just like network with other people who aren't in my local community and I started making friends, I was like, wow, this is kind of like an alternate way for me to not just be showing up at local hafalas or, um, you know, festivals whenever I would travel to a festival. Like it was like an alternate kind of performance space Mm -hmm. in a way, like, because I just love to dance and I love sharing my dance and I love watching other dancers who aren't necessarily professionals as well that's something that I really enjoy I just like you know we see the same 10 to 20 dancers all the time on YouTube and whatever and it gets 
there's so much more out there. There's so many amazingly creative, fantastic people. And that's really where I started to go. And then it just, I, I just made this decision that I wanted 10,000 followers. I had no plan. I had no game plan. I had no marketing. I had no strategy. I'm just like, I want 10,000 followers because those of you who don't know on Instagram, you get a feature in your stories swipe up. where you can swipe <laughs> up. And even though I wasn't like teaching anything or had any offers or anything, I'm like, I just want that swipe up button. I just want that swipe up button. And so I pretty much put out a video a week and I'm not talking high quality videos. I'm talking me in my renovated warehouse space that I was in, in whatever clothes I was wearing, just putting out a video a week. And then, you know, people keeping people up to date, like, oh, I'm teaching this thing. I'm in that Hoffa, whatever. And then um, I did see a need for plus size dancers to be more visible because I remembered when I was a baby dancer just starting out, like, I would find videos of other plus size dancers and I would like, I was so excited. I was just like, oh my gosh, they look like me. This is so exciting. Like, but then like, it would only be like one or two videos and I would want to like binge watch them. Right. Like I would want to dive deeper, but it would be like, you know, you're staying up and going down these YouTube rabbit holes, like trying to find things. And I'm like, no, I'm going to put myself out there. Cause I started to get like really good reactions from people, like not just from bigger dancers, but from dancers on the smaller end of the spectrum who were also scared to put themselves out there. They're like, because we're, we, we fear that judgment. Right. And they're like, Oh my gosh, like, that's so cool that you do that. Like I want to post on Instagram, but you know, all I see is the big stars and I don't have those costumes. I don't have those fancy gigs that they have. And, and I'm like, it doesn't matter. Just put your stuff out there. Like, you know, obviously make, you know, put some effort and some, you know, love into what you're putting out there, but don't be scared. And so, um, actually last year in June, I broke my ankle and it was really, really rough. Um, I kind of took a little bit of a break off of Instagram and then, but I realized I had this following and I'm like, and people were starting to ask me like, Hey, how do I grow my followers? Like, how do I put stuff out there? Like, what should I be posting about? Like, how did you do this? Cause like, you know, at the time, you know, I'm a no name, right? Like, <laughs> I don't mean that to be self deprecating, but you know, we all know who's who on the festival posters, mm -hmm. right? Like I've never been on a big festival poster, not even in the, you know, the bottom row. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, well, it's easy. You guys, you just do this, this, this. And I realized I had accumulated all this knowledge and I decided to just kind of go full in and I invested in a um, social media mastermind with um, Lisette Calvero, who's in New York. And she's actually a full-time influencer, works in the influencer biz, like what we think of as influencers, right? Mm -hmm. Like not belly dance. She has nothing to do with the belly dance community. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of decided, well, if I can't dance, I'm going to learn something. Mm -hmm. And I wrote up a PDF and then I started the social shimmy. And that's when things kind of blew up for me and when I kind of gave like I felt like I was just giving people the the tools to put themselves out there like in a really safe not a safe manner but like it was a little bit less high pressure it was like hey I'm like you like we're all the same like we're all just really enthusiastic about this dance and this art and all of that like let me let me hold your hand and get you going and it kind of blew up into this huge thing and that pretty much takes us to where we are now I guess I would like to say that I know you said you don't want to be self-deprecating but I wouldn't consider you a no-name but I, I know what you mean I obviously found you without having to see you in a festival poster so you right, never know exactly. how people find you um, you never know what kind of name you are to someone else. So it's, uh, but I know what you mean in the sense that we do see the same type of dancers in every every single festival. And one of the things I do love, um, even if it is has been forced on us the last year, is by having more things online that you can really get out of learning from the same 20 people. And there's nothing wrong with learning from those people not at all but um I do like to see diversity yeah that was one of my big things was obviously just representing like a pretty high standard for like plus size dancers like hey we exist we're out here and we're actually pretty talented and pretty passionate and unique 
And then, but I was also thinking about it and I'm like, why can't black dancers do this? Why can't brown dancers do this? Like, take the power back and like, you know, show up and be visible because I can't imagine, you know, regardless, you know, if it's race or your gender presentation or um, even disability status, whatever, like there is somebody out there who could look at you and be like, wow, this dancer looks like me or I can relate to this dancer mm -hmm. in whatever way. And that's so cool that you you have the possibility of becoming this kind of like inspiration for somebody. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you have a hundred fo followers or like a hundred thousand, like when you reach, like, that's my goal is like, I just like each time I post, I just want one person to feel something from it and then I consider it done and so that's what I wanted to empower mm -hmm. other people to do other dancers to do because you know we've said it and I know you've talked about it on the podcast like it gets to be pretty it gets to be pretty bland sometimes yeah and I and I think it's not just about for me personally it's not just about it being bland it's just there has to be more right other dance forms and industries I, f I feel like, or maybe it's harder to seek when you're in it, but I see in hip hop and open style, there's a huge array of types of dancers, sure, yep. Um, yep. even in flamenco and even other, other dance forms that you are starting to see embrace inclusion and diversity and all these sorts of things. And then I just want to shake billion dancers and be like, I'm tired of seeing the same person yeah. all the time. Yeah, or, it's, yeah. It, it's hard because we have that entertainment industry aspect of it which is kind of a reflection of you know the general public and society and mass media as a whole mm -hmm. it's reflected in our industry and I feel in a different way I feel like these other dance genres are mm -hmm. not right like mm -hmm. because we have we kind of have the these two sides and it's like we have the inter the entertainment industry but then we also have like this dancers for dancers Mm -hmm. kind of circuit which I'm definitely more in I have a restaurant yeah. gig that I do like once a month like I don't consider myself like a professional gigging dancer by any means I'm much more in this dancers for dancers thing and it's just like for me I'm like why are we just using the entertainment industry as our benchmark for what makes somebody a good dancer right mm -hmm. like it just seems so backward especially when you know how people promote their classes sometimes as being inclusive and anybody can do it and blah blah it's like well they can <laughs> yeah yeah that's very true and I would argue that if you're just doing it from entertainment aspect the people that don't know anything about the dance are not gonna they're not a good judgment of what's gonna make a good teacher or, dance no. or dancers at all so they don't care they just want you to look pretty in a costume right yeah and honest. I mean that's so, a whole another yeah. conversation right there. that's a whole other episode <laughs> yep yep <laughs> so talk about a little bit more about um, your journey through focusing on body positivity in two areas that are where well known to not have much body positivity in belly dance and social media. I've read uh, studies. It's really interesting about uh, TikTok. There have been studies of, of the algorithms and what you see. I'm not on TikTok. I'm too old. <laughs> no, you're not. I can't, I, I can't figure it out. I don't want to. So it's okay. <laughs> I, I will watch the replays of the TikToks on Instagram, but, um, but I read something really interesting of how the algorithms will present uh, white, skinny, young women that are dancing these these TikTok videos and mm -hmm. performances, whatever. Um, and that's, after all, that's all you continue to see. And then so mm -hmm. it's like a skewed view of what actually is out there in the yes. world or even just users using TikTok. So that is just fascinating. But talk a little bit more about body positivity in these two very non-body positive <laughs> at times areas right? yeah I you know I've just always been big I'm five foot 11 180 centimeters for my non-american friends and I hover like around like a size 14 to 18 depending on the time of year or if we're in a pandemic or not or whatever <laughs> and I just always loved that I I started this dance and I loved it but I've never been one of those plus size people that's been like oh, well, I'm going to wait till I lose weight to do this. Like, I was heavier than I was than I am now when I moved to China when I was 22. Like, I don't let things hold me back because of my weight or what I present myself as. And so when I came into belly dance, you know, we all heard the, oh, we accept everybody. And, oh, they like bigger women over there, quotation, air quotes. Um, 
And so I'm kind of like, okay, this is cool. And then, you know, after like two, three years, you know, you get the talk, right? <laughs> you know, your teacher pulls you aside. Oh, you are a good dancer, but if you want to do this, you got to lose weight, blah, 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 blah. And I'm a very contrary person. I'm also very stubborn. <laughs> and when I hear things like that, I kind of go, okay, challenge accepted. <laughs> like, oh, you think, oh, okay, here we go. Like, here we go. I'm going to do it. And so to be really honest, like there has been times where it's just like, yeah, I don't get gigs because of how I look or whatever. Um, but I also know that intrinsically that I have something to offer and that I, I know that when I get audience reactions, like women come up to me and they're like, wow, you are so relatable. I love how you dance. I didn't know that I could try this. I thought you had to be this, that, or the other thing. And then men as well coming up to me and saying, wow, you're so different and unique. I love your personality. Like, I would love to see you dancing more. And like, you know, the non-creepy compliments from men like that. Like, very rare. It's very rare, but they do happen every once in a while. And so um, even though I've had like people say really, really crappy things to me before, I've also had those experiences where people have said really, really nice things and really positive things and that's really what kept me going like through the crappy things that people have said to me and you know I just see in my own community that there's such a variety of dancers and you know it kind of becomes this chicken and the egg situation it's like do we not see more plus size dancers because the industry doesn't accept it or do we not see them because they're not promoted enough or like, are they not, you know, or do they see that there's no path for them and then they just kind of peter out at this like intermediate level? Or is it because they're, you know, which one is it? And so I've just decided I'm, I'm kind of a bold, loud person <laughs> and I just want to use that for, I want to use my powers for good and not evil. <laughs> and I just, I want to see more diversity. And so don't get me wrong, I still have image, like body image issues like I think every person on this planet deals with and it's just I have to keep going because like now that I've been so active like it's almost like people rely on me to show up and so that's what keeps me going and that's what keeps me going through like the crappy comments that I get on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook wherever like I just remember okay that's one comment and then there's like 99 other positive ones I got to focus on the 99 other ones and I have to show up because sometimes like I have to I feel like I can be strong for other people and show them like nobody gives you confidence you have to cultivate it within yourself and that's like such a it's such a hard thing you know some people approach confidence as is like oh well one day I'll have it it's like no it's a lot of internal mindset work that you have to work nobody's going to come along and just hand you a platter of confidence like it doesn't it doesn't work like that but showing up every day and just putting yourself out there regardless of what might happen like you slowly develop it and that's kind of where I've got like I was terrified those first few times I posted videos I'm like oh my God, people are going to say this about me. They're going to say that, this and that. And then eventually I realized like, no matter what anybody says to me, I've already said it to myself and probably something a hundred times worse. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, well, wait, why am I giving them this power to affect me? And so that's my, that's my body positivity thing. And I just feel like we've said it already. Like I just, we see the same types of dancers, especially if you run in cer certain circuits, right? It's, especially in the dancer for dancer scene, mm -hmm. you just don't see a variety of people. It's a lot of, you know, there's a variety of body shapes that are accepted. And I feel like it's a little bit more fluid at times. Like you can probably, like dancers can go, you know, there's like a range. Mm -hmm. And you just don't see that range really top out. And for a plus size dancer to be seen, she has to be really, really, really good. You can have two dancers at the same level do the same choreography with the same technique from the same teacher and the plus size dancer has to come perfect mm -hmm. like they have to come correct 
and proper and perfect whereas the standard for a thinner dancer is like oh well that costume wasn't the greatest that's okay though or you know maybe she did you know that technique was blah 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 no your, your margin of error when you're plus size is so much less and that's what I'm fighting up against because we are out there and we are good and now we're just going to be kind of loud and <laughs> about it you know um so I think I firmly think that body positivity is for everybody because when I do this fight I'm also fighting for my other dancers who are thinner than me to be like hey it's not that big of a deal if you put on five pounds like your life is not over like again if you're in the entertainment industry I think that should change but I will do what I can to be like no you're fine the way you are it's okay. No, people shouldn't make crappy comments about your body, especially in this dancer for dancer industry. That is not acceptable, not acceptable to say, oh, you need to eat a sandwich. You're too thin, whatever. Like I, I, I do focus on plus size dancers because that's the experience I come from. But I hope in this fight for inclusion that this also kind of helps smaller dancers, thinner, whatever, more standard size, whatever you want to say, kind of just relax about things and be like I am more than my body mm-hmm. like I am more than the shape of my body because how many times have we seen older dancers 50 60 plus and they're amazing dancers and it's mm-hmm. like oh I have to cover or I have to do this or I have to do that and it's just like no be mm-hmm. who you want and wear what makes you feel happy and that's what I feel other dancers should be able to do too so it's kind of like a a weird way around for like you know, it's like, I'm bringing you guys with me. Don't worry. Like, I'm not just fighting for my 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 ability to do whatever, my, my thing to be seen. Like, I'm fighting for you to, like, accept yourself the way that you are. Like, there's nothing wrong with having goals and, you know, you prefer to be one way or another or you like doing this thing. or That's fine, but you are fine the way you are. And that's what body positivity means to me. Like, whatever body you're living in in this exact moment is absolutely okay the way it is mm-hmm. and that's that's what I'm trying to show I guess <laughs> it's interesting when you mentioned the sort of the chicken and the egg situation because I remember from interviewing Eshdamar and um, Catrice Feruza who specifically talked about um, when it comes to plus size costuming and how there was mm-hmm. a lack of that and then that makes you think if there's if you can't even get a costume that fits you really well if you're a plus size dancer how often are you going to be performing at a level that requires you to be seen among other professional dancers exactly it's just this one little thing so it's interesting um you know when you have these sort of roadblocks to be seen at the same level of thinner dancers mm-hmm. um of course you're not going to see as many plus size dancers on stage nope. when you have these small little roadblocks yeah and it's so. it's it can be really demoralizing too right it's just like you just go to the festivals and you don't see it you can't even try something on it I think I've bought something once off the rack in my entire 12 years like just went and tried it on and it fit and whatever like and I think I almost cried I was just (laughs) like I mean it was a beautiful costume too don't get me wrong but (laughs) it was just it was very exciting so yeah and that's kind of what I want to help with like okay let's figure this out like why aren't you getting to where you want to go like what is it going to take like let me you know, let me take you with me. Like, mm-hmm. let me show you what I did. Like, I'm an open book. You know, I'm I'm kind of at this age where I'm like, I kind of want to be the dance mom that I didn't necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I had good mentors and everything, but I want to be that, like, dance mom for people, especially for plus-size dancers, to be like, hey, this is what it's going to take. This is what you're going to need to do to get to where you're going. And, you know, very kind but truthful talk right like you can make it you can do what it is that you want it just might not look like how you think it should look yeah and I'd I do this in my in my digital marketing for belly dancers course and and my business courses for for belly dancers I say you know if something you feel that is a rejection at the moment it's not meant for you because if it was going to be meant for you it, it, you know it would be your ideal client and if it's yep. not then it's it just wasn't meant to be and that's okay and yep. um, yeah, just because it looks different than what you had imagined, like you said, or or what it looks like compared to someone else, that doesn't mean it's not going to work out. That doesn't mean you can't pivot and think of other ways to get to where you want to go. And yeah, it's just about being flexible and adaptable, and just looking at what you're given. And okay, am I going to be some hotshot dancer in Cairo working, you know, 
seven days a week at these fancy nightclubs? No, but I'm actually finding a lot of happiness with what I'm doing, like connecting with other dancers. And that's what's meant for me, right? Like, you know, we all get this sold, this like Hollywood ideal. And I think we do that in other aspects of our life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I'm not going to be happy until I have, you know, the six figure job. I'm not going to be happy until I drive this car. And it's just like, well, no, you can choose to be happy right now and still work toward your goals. Like yeah. it, it just, it's going to take something different to do and that's what's interesting because it's like, and I'm sure you know this in marketing and business, like you got to know what your unique selling point is. Like what is your unique proposition? Because there's a hundred belly dance, there's hundred, there's thousands of belly dance out, belly dancers out there teaching or performing or gigging, whatever avenue do you decide to go down, you have competition. And if you look like everybody else, not even just, I don't even mean just physically look like somebody mm-hmm. else, but if you're offering the same thing that 99 other people are offering, well, good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got like, good luck. You got to figure out, you got to figure out all this stuff. And it's, it's a lot of work, but once you, de- if you're really deciding that you want to be professional or you want dance to take up a bigger part of your life, these are the questions that you have to start asking yourself. And mm-hmm. I don't really think that's usually part of a, like a dance mentorship kind of thing. That's where like your podcasts come into play. Like that's where, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we just don't, we don't talk about it. We, we focus yeah. on the dance itself, which is great. And of course we got to work technique and culture and history and language, but you know, there's this stuff that we don't talk about. So. Yeah, definitely. And one of the reasons why I like having uh, people on and interviewing is just, I like to see um, how other people work and how they think mm-hmm. and the behind the scenes of how other people run their business essentially. Cause I think it's so important to see if there's any nugget of information that might work for you or any kind of inspiration. And I just feel like, as you mentioned, there's a lot of competition, but at the same time, there's enough space, you know, you're not like, you know, like there's, there's something out there for everybody. And yeah. it's weird. Cause it's like, we think of it as competition, competition, but then at the same time, there is so much opportunity. You just have to to create it sometimes yourself. Oh, absolutely. And most of the absolutely. time, I would argue. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. If, if you're thinking that you can just sit and wait for somebody to give you a gig or a job or whatever, like, good luck. If that's your marketing plan is just like waiting for people to ask you to do something, mm-hmm. you're going to have a really, really rough time of it. And yeah, it, yeah. it it goes down to scarcity mentality. I was just talking to somebody else who um, was wanting to start teaching online. And, you know, it's the, the the question, I think you've explored this, like, well, if everybody else is teaching online, what do I have to offer? They can go take class with famous star. And I'm like, you only need, there. how many hundred millions of people are on the internet? You only need t- to find 10 of them to take your class. Mm-hmm. 10 mm-hmm. people, that's nothing. You can find 10 people. It may not be easy. Yeah. But you can find them. You can yeah. totally find them. Yeah. And nobody has the unique perspective. We all may share the experience, but we have different perspectives of how that experience has shaped oh, us. Oh, absolutely. So definitely. Yeah. Whoever that was, please go and teach <laughs> whoever you are. <laughs> so getting back to social media, as I mentioned, I'm not a fan, if I'm being completely honest. Oh, I know. <laughs> I like my memes and dog videos like that is what I'm on Instagram just sharing things with my friends that brings me joy Um, and it's not that I you know I like connecting with other dancers too but it's just in the overall grand scheme of things social media for me is just I can't wait to be off of it (laughs) so you know but obviously um, I do understand even as a business owner that we've also put ourselves in this corner that if you don't have a social media profile in this day and age you just don't look as legit and that, yeah. you know, that is our mistake as human beings that we made it that way. Right. But here we are. So we got to use it. So talk a little bit about how you feel about Instagram. And then if you ever battle with these feelings of like, I really don't like, you know, the fact that social media has caused literal world destruction. Oh. <laughs> right. And like actually, and, you know, mental health issues and comparison yeah. and all these other things that have been proven. And then on the other hand, knowing that it is a great way to connect with people, like you said, that feel that they're not seen enough in the mainstream media or in the mainstream scenes of anything. And then, you know, talk a little about how or do you at all ever feel this kind of sense of like 
juggling these two feelings. Of- oh, yeah. I actually was talking with one of my social media clients about this last night where the way I've distinguished it and the way I've kind of figured it out is there's definitely the Katie that's on social media and then there's the Katie who's at home. And much like a stage name works for a lot of people, that's kind of where I'm taking it. That's not to say that when I'm on social media that I show up inauthentically or that I become like this complete, you know, it's not like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation, but um, I've definitely had to put up some pretty strict boundaries about what it is I do talk about, what it is I do post about, what it is I do share on social media. Um, Because frankly, nobody's entitled to know every part of my life, right? Um, So I put those boundaries up, but... I absolutely do feel like social media can be fake, 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 fake. And that that's the tough thing that I battle with, that I have these boundaries in place, but then I'm about what I, the boundaries in place about what I do post on social media, but then I want to show up as authentically as I can. So it's, it's very difficult to find that balance. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I try to do that with, you know, altering, you know, I try to do that by changing up what it is that I post about. Like a couple of weeks ago, I had a post, uh, Mercedes Nieto had a dance in your pajamas social media challenge. And I'm like, I'm here for it. That's fine. I had my cute jammies on. I did an improv to a song that she had. And so I mix it up like, okay, I will show you in my bedroom noodling around and whatever. And then, yes, I will put up, like, you know, the very nice photo shoot picture of myself, right? But I've decided for myself, like, using social media, if I do put up that, like, pretty picture of myself that, you know, I'm a little photoshopped and whatever, it was me on my best day, right? Mm -hmm. You know, in my caption, I have to provide some kind of value to my audience. Mm -hmm. And it may not just be about being authentic or whatever. Maybe, you know, I've done that with like marketing tips, like, okay, the visual is just a vehicle for what it is that I want to get across. Right. And then I like to change it up a lot. Um, and that's just how I try to combat those feelings of being fake or inauthentic or whatever. Um, and again, that's why I created the social shimmy because for a long time, I mean, the belly dancers that we saw, kind of going back to what you were talking about, TikTok, about what TikTok serves you up in the algorithm, Instagram is very similar, mm-hmm. right? And so when all you're seeing is these same 10 dancers, Instagram's going to say, oh, well, you must like this thing. So you, when you hop over to your explore page, you're going to get more of that type of content because Instagram thinks that's what's going to keep you on the app because we all have to remember social media these companies their entire purpose is to keep you on their app for as long as possible so they can serve you up more ads because the more ads they serve you the more money they get from the companies who are doing the advertising so they're going to show you the stuff that they think you're interested in and now this is when i've been trying to advise people don't care about your follower count care about who you're following Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that's gonna that's gonna be what changes this algorithm like if you want to see a more diverse array of dancers, you have to go out and find them. And then Instagram will start saying, oh, you don't need the perfect video shoot thing. I'll, I'll show you this dancer that you've never heard of noodling around in her bedroom, right? Um, and so what who you're following is really, really important. And that's why I kind of created this little challenge to be like, hey, put yourselves out there people like because you don't like if you don't put yourselves out there regularly and consistently because that's the social media thing you have to be Mm -hmm. pretty consistent with it um you know that's that's what's going to make the change um Mm -hmm. so I totally I mean I get it like there are some I have to remind myself every time I'm like oh that mm, that dancer she's such a uh, uh, I mean I've fall on that road too I'm not going to act like I'm perfect I have to remind myself this is their highlight reel this you do not see when they are crying in the bathroom after they lose a competition you don't see um if we're going to talk entertainment industry we don't you don't see the behind the scenes of what's mm-hmm. going on or, over there they're showing you have to know they are showing they that that is that's their job mm-hmm. like that that's their job i have more freedom because i'm not in the entertainment industry and that's why my followers come to me is because i don't 
I don't, I'm not going to show them myself in my pits of despair or anything, but, you know, I will be honest about tough times that I've been through mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe show those not so perfectly edited things because that the, we crave authenticity. And I think, um, you know, Instagram in particular, especially like influencer in, Instagram used to be so curated and so perfect. Mm-hmm. And even in the real world, the non-belly dance world, I mean, there has been a, yeah, that outside world that happens. Um, There's actually been a pushback against, like, you used to have, like, you used to have, like, an aesthetic on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like, all of your stuff had to have, like, the same Lightroom preset, and you had to, like, be wearing, and I'm like, first of all, I can't do that. I love different colors. Like, I'm a loud person. Sometimes it's going to be hot pink. Sometimes it's going to be a royal purple. Like, I can't curate my feed like that. But there's actually been a huge pushback against that. And I think um, the pandemic has really, really strengthened that because who's going to get photo shoots right now, right? Like, who who's doing that? And so there has been this pushback for authenticity. And, you know, I think, you know, it's a balance of how authentic you want to get. And I understand that's going to be different for everybody. Um, but that's kind of how I fight it, I guess. But it is a tool, you know, if you look at it as a tool, like anything else, you can make it, you can have it take up as much or as little part of your life as you want. Like you've decided that, you know, you're going to spend your time looking at dogs and memes and you're going to put up your post. And it's like, it's a utilitarian like means to an end. Right. And if that's where you fall on the spectrum, that's totally okay. But if you're like marketing yourself and you're in your, but your marketing efforts in other areas are much more than they are with mine. Like I'm super lazy with writing emails. (laughs) (laughs) That is the podcast and newsletter. That is every Sunday that has been back that for quite some time now. So yeah, that is true. It's a different type of marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, well, I take a more utilitarian approach to doing like a blog and, you know, sending out emails. It's all just depending on like what suits your personality, where you want to show up, what you want to do. And Mm -hmm. it's impossible for people to be on every single platform too. Like, yes. Yeah, definitely. I I say that to people too. It's like, you are just one person focus on, you know, the things that I, I tend to tell people to focus on things that you own because Instagram gets sure. shut down and everything oh, yeah. gets lost. <laughs> so oh, yeah. focus on the things that you own, which is your website and your email list. And anyone that's listening is like, oh, but Katie has Instagram. Katie also has a website. I've seen it. She books her stuff through her website. She leads people to her website. So nobody yep. can get off this episode and be like, ah, forget it. Nope. Jenna's been just shouting there's a reason yes there's a reason you had to go to my website and download the pdf for social shimmy if you did it because i collected your email address so i could keep in contact with you like so thank you this is also validating me screaming about how important it is to have this but it's very important that like you say instagram is what you've chosen as a tool that you are comfortable Mm -hmm. with and the way that you're doing it to lead people onto your email list to lead people onto your website. You don't have it and then just have it for nothing. I think a lot of people think once I have an uh, an Instagram profile, I've got a business. If you don't have an offer, you don't have a business. So yeah, you can have as many pretty pictures as you want on Instagram, but it doesn't, if it's not going to lead to anything to get you clients or students or anything like that, that's not a business. That's just you sharing your life and that's okay. But those are two different things. (laughs) Right. And that's what I've told people about, um, you know, the question I always get is, how do I get more followers? How do I get more followers? And I'm not going to lie. I was on that train. I, I'm very open about this, that I just blatantly wanted followers to give me some clout, right? Mm-hmm. But then once you figure out those people aren't paying you, they're not taking your classes, they're not showing up to the Hoflas, I could care less. Like, yeah. it's easy for me to say in the position that I'm in now, right? Yeah. But I swear... I would trade the, I mean, I know my percentages. I know where my followers are at. I know where they live. I know what language they speak. If I got rid of all the ones I didn't want that aren't going to buy from me, I'd be back down to like three or 4,000 followers. And honestly, real talk, I only have about, I think 600, 700, something like that. I, because I'm someone that doesn't feel comfortable with social media as much. If I have someone follow me that looks like a spam account, I don't just let it sit there. I block people. Like, full disclosure, I go and, and, or if it's someone that tries to creep into my DMs, 
I block you. Like, it's not just like, oh, I'm right. going to keep the follower for followers sake. Some people aren't as sensitive to that. And that's yeah. fine. Some people are just like, I don't care as long as you're going to give me like, that's fine. If you feel comfortable with that. But on the other hand, if you're someone like me, that's like, mm, I don't right. feel comfortable with this. That's okay, too. So I think a lot of people are like, oh, but I have to get the followers. It's like, nah. well, you have to provide value. You have to, to, to engage. You have to you have to connect. It's not about the number. It's about how you connect with people. Right. Like I said earlier, all you need for a class to run, I mean, if we're talking online classes, you know, depending on your, you know, usually five to eight students is going to make it worth your time to teach, you know, you know, let's say 15, let's say 15 students. If you really, you know, you're really trying to make some money. So what do you need 12,000 people following you for? Right. Like, you, you don't and that's the big thing that I get on people's butts about about social media you have to provide value yeah. you have to I'm if you're going to take anything away from this podcast <laughs> if you are wanting to build a business if you are wanting to even if you're just wanting to build your profile yeah. like just to connect and interact with people you have to be providing some kind of value yeah. and that's that's the th- it doesn't matter how many photo shoots you have it doesn't because there's a point here's the thing we're all dancers listening to this i'm assuming how many videos do you come across in a day and how many do you actually watch my attention span is short unless it's got a dog or a cat in it I'm watching <laughs> the but thing. that's the thing like and so that's why i post a pretty picture i give you something in the caption for the people who read or if I post a video, I'm going to at least give you some context behind the video that I'm posting, whether it's a performance thing or one of me in my bedroom doing whatever or a, whatever. I'm going to explain and give something about my process or explain why it was important for me to choose that. Co- I'm going to give you something beyond just me dancing mm-hmm. because while my Instagram is about me, and it's my pictures and my videos and whatever, it's a vehicle for me to get my message across. And it's like, once I, once I flip that switch of thinking about like me, 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 I want the attention and thinking about like, what can I give to people? Social media was so much, such more of a relief. It was, it's like, I'm excited to post now. I'm like, I have like this list of topics and things I want to talk about. And I'm like, because I just want to put all this stuff out there so people can get something from it. And mm-hmm. then it's so much more satisfying than just being like, oh, this post only got like 30 likes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if, if, you know what, if 30 people walked into a room and said that they liked a post, you'd be so happy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But now we've social media skewed everything to just be this more, 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 more. And yeah. it's like, no, think about how many lives you can touch. Think of how many lives you can change. Think of how many you know, like aha moments that you can provide your audience and they can be like funny aha moments. Like things, things that are funny can also be very valuable. Yes, for sure. As, (laughs) as someone that is literally on Instagram for the memes, I will tell you that that does work. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So how do you, um, the last question about that Instagram and social media, I guess in general, how do you combat comparison traps because Ooh. Instagram really is a lot of you can get into this rabbit hole of as you mentioned you are only seeing someone's highlight mm-hmm. uh, very rarely are you seeing someone mention their struggles or how they got to that point or anything like that and um, I love following those accounts that they do say that but sometimes you can get caught in comparison oh. traps. do you yeah. have any way that you've counteracted Oof. that you know, this is funny. I gave this piece of homework to a client of mine and it, it it's going to sound weird at first, right? But go and look at a dancer that you know you don't like. Like, let's be real here. We all have people that we don't like. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to sit and say that everybody's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I want you to go find a dancer that you know you don't like, that you've already talked trash about or whatever. I want you to watch their video all the way through and then name three things that you like. Because if you, like, once, because the comparison trap is just like an excuse to be mean about yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, everybody has something else. Everybody, and it's just like, no, go look at the people that you don't like and try to find the good things. Because basically what you're saying is like, it's something about me is not good enough. If you can go find things that you like about people that aren't your flavor or whatever, you can find those things about you too. Mm -hmm. And so 
And then if it gets really, really bad, if it gets really bad to the point of like, you see this person in your feed that, and they just make you feel like crap about yourself, even though they're just living their life and doing their thing, you got to mute them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You got to mute them. You got to, you have to have a little bit of self-control and just say, you know what? I got to take a break from this person because they're just living in their life. And I, I used to have a dancer that I did that with, like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. Oh my God. Her technique is perfect. Oh my God. Everything she does is unicorns and roses. And I really just fell into this really, it was really dark place when I would see her videos and stuff come up and I, I had to just unfollow. Like it was, you know, I had to unfollow if I, you know, if I was on my explore. I actually don't use my explore page that much. That's also another thing. Keep it to your feed. Once Instagram says like, oh, we're showing you things you may be interested because you've already gone through everything that's been served to you. You need to get off the app. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like TikTok. Once the guy tells you, hey, we've seen you've been on here for a while. You got to get <laughs> off the app. Um, but I, I unfollow and then um, I mute them for a while. And then it's internal work. I mean, this could be like a whole episode yeah. <laughs> on confidence and mindset in of itself. But you have to just kind of remove that temptation to beat up on yourself. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's yeah, never it's ending. Ending. Yeah, that's very true. You ready for the non-lightning round? Of yes. Questions? Yes. Again, better names, suggestions, anyone can DM me. It's okay. So it's, uh, if you've listened to the interviews before, it's the same question. So you just fill in the blank, yeah? So the biggest struggle I face in belly dance is blank. And the best way I'm overcoming that struggle is blank. So two blanks. The biggest Ooh. struggle and how you're overcoming it. The biggest struggle is my own BS. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I stand in my, that's my biggest struggle. I mean, we could talk technique. We could talk music. You know, we could say a lot of things there. But, but the, at the end of the day, the biggest struggle has always been myself and self-limiting beliefs and just I stand in my own way I, I have unhealthy habits like procrastination <laughs> um and the way I deal with it is I have coaches that's really the only way I that I can have do the it. same coach is it Lisa <laughs> I've worked with Lisa I've worked with Lisa I actually have, kind of have like three coaches right now that I go to for different things I have a Zodcon and then Amanda Rose and then Sherzad. So it's like they, they fill in these little gaps in different places and kind of like Amanda will sometimes literally write my practice plan for me because I'm so like, you know, I do a lot. I'm busy. I do a lot. And I realize like, I just don't have the, the decision capability. Like when I walk into the studio, like I need somebody else to tell me what to do instead of me mm -hmm. being in charge of it. And so I feel like coaching is like, the way that I get out of that because I have these people reminding me like okay no you're not like the worst dancer who has ever existed mm -hmm. in the entire Middle Eastern dance universe you are not the worst most terrible person ever we and, but they kindly you know point out things to work on and so you know having having that kind of rational view is a lifesaver for me if you're ever having problems get a coach I definitely um, literally hired Lisa Zahia, also has been on this podcast, and she's a, one of my business she's coaches. She's great. Literally hired her just to tell me what to prioritize because I'm someone yep. that has so many things on my list. Yep. And if I don't have someone to keep accountable to, it's never going to, like, or it'll just keep getting pushed at, pushed yep. back because I'm thinking, oh, maybe now's not the time, or I don't know enough about I get in my way too. So I literally had to have someone push me to put out. Yeah, they can have that bird's eye view. Yeah. Right. They can have that outside, you know, they're not in it. They're not yeah. in it every day. And so they can, they can have this overall view of like, why do you think this needs work when this is actually the thing that's on fire? Like, do yeah. not see that over there. Like, yeah. go take care of this first. Like, don't do that. So really, yeah, I'm not surprised that Lisa's your coach. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, okay, this is what I have. And it'll be like 10 different things. She's like, okay, <laughs> yep. what is it that you want to focus on? I'm like, okay. So, but no, when I have deadlines with her, it definitely, um, it does help. Yeah, even coaches need coaches. This is yeah, such a yeah. big thing. Like, I, I do dance coaching for other days, but it's just like, I still need that. Like, having that power, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's yeah. it's invaluable. Yeah, definitely everyone look into getting Go get a coach. coach if you're ever, yeah. Uh, next one is my favorite belly dance memory is 
I should have prepared for my this my favorite <laughs> belly dance memory. How many can I have? <laughs> I mean, as many as you want, but for the sake of, of the yeah, non-lightning round, just pick one. Um, the first one that came to your mind when you heard that. You know what? I think I'll have to give a shout out to uh, Zara, who is a Egyptian British dancer who lives and works in Cairo. I know when I you. went. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I met up with her in Cairo when I went there in 2019. Yeah, 2019 is when we could travel. Um, and she was very gracious and showed me around and took me to a cabaret. Not like a nice hotel show, you know, like it was the local, local kind of scene. And it was, that's my favorite memory was seeing... Like, because I was a fly on the wall, like, you know, I was the only foreigner there, like, they weren't performing for tourists or for foreigners or whatever, it was, it was the real deal, so to speak, and just with the live music and the dancer and every, like, the atmosphere, it was like, oh, I get it now. Like, I truly, I, I get it. This is not dancing in an American restaurant. This is not the big festival stage. This is how it's done by the people and for the people mm -hmm. and it was chef's kiss perfect <laughs> it was great it's yeah nice and last one the one thing i'd love to offer the belly dance community is hope <laughs> that sounds so corny i'm so sorry i'm so sorry that's so corny okay. and cliche but just think if this kind of bizarre chunky girl from minnesota can figure out what it is to do with belly dance like so can you like there's like i want like there's a place for all of us mm -hmm. and like we said earlier in the podcast it may not be what you think it is but there there's a place for you and like i just want to help you figure out what it is or where that is that you want to go and if i don't know I'll point you to somebody who, who does know because we can figure that out. Like, I want to be like the the refuge for all the weirdos and the geeks and the people that feel like they don't fit in and I'm your person. Like, come to me. Like, that's what I want to offer is just that little, that little, like, oasis of fe feeling accepted, I guess. You're definitely the first person that said hope. That's why I thought it was funny because it's like... It's a little bit bittersweet how hopeless do we feel that we want to get I know! It, it, it is. It's kind of sad, but, you know, remember, there's a, this is fun. Yes. <laughs> this is fun, you guys. Like, you know, I, I have to remind people of that in classes sometimes. Yeah. Like, remember, we enjoy doing this. This is a pleasurable activity that we yeah. take part in. So Yes, for sure. Katie, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for the real talk. It's, it's <laughs> learned a lot of things. I may go and, and try a little bit more on Instagram. I can't guarantee it, but let's see. Um, where can people find you on on the internet now? In the world? On the internet, yeah, at katie.sahar on Instagram, on TikTok, my website, katiesahar.com. I have all sorts of social media tips and tricks on my Instagram that I share, but I also have a Facebook community called the Social Shimmy Society that is open to any belly dancer who wants to up their game on social media. And I have, um, it's a free community, but there's like some paid offerings that I do. I'm doing like a TikTok class for belly dancers who want to get active on TikTok. And that's where to get all the info for that. Nice. And um, those of you listening can see that also in the episode notes. I'll add it. Thank you again so much. And you are welcome. Thank you for asking me. This, this was a blast. This is very fun. Yes. And um, thank you all to have listened. And until next week.